Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You know what I want. pretty good the Raptors get a win over the Detroit Pistons 119-118 a close game at the end came down to some free throws some turnovers a couple late threes from Jaden Ivey and of course the Raptors coming away with a win which is nice to see I am Samson Folk this is the Raptors reaction podcast and is brought to you by Goldfinger Law and hey if you want to figure out some law stuff a good place to go is Goldfinger you know why because you only pay if you win so if you lose you don't have to pay them the, the upsides of that are pretty obvious. So uh, if you want to contact them, 416-730-1777. A quick thing. My apologies for the last reaction podcast. I did miss it. God, I had a sickness running through me. I'm feeling better now. So thank you to everybody who for the well wishes. And uh, thank you to everybody for, for that. Jack being one of them. I'm joined by Jack Kelly. Okay, so he's with the Pistons blog over at SB Nation, of course, and my favorite writer over there. When I want to know what the Pistons are up to, Jack is my guy I tune in with. And I hope everybody's extremely pleased to hear his voice because we've got an accent coming in. Jack, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks so much for having me on and for the kind words. Um, you know how much I respect your work over at Raptors Republic and everyone over there. Um, so... Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, and yeah, let's chop up the game. Yeah, so the first thing I want to ask you, and by the way, for hey, just for because most of the listener slash viewership is in Canada, this Canada Team Canada soccer jersey, thirty dollars down from a hundred and twenty. Okay, so at the Nike outlet, these things are crazy on sale for anybody who wants a good deal. Okay, so the Pistons lose, which is as far as the macro sense. A good thing for your team yes no what, what are your thoughts on that it is good but when you've been doing it for I've been a Pistons fan for just over a decade so I haven't seen a lot of winning so look it's good like you said in a macro sense but I'm at the point now where I know Victor Wembanyama's waiting there for all the teams at the you know there's a tank race and but I'm at the point where I you know, I like seeing these competitive games. I like seeing the young guys string some wins together if possible. Like I just tweeted out last game, if there's a win to be had, go get it. And I cop some flack, but yeah, I think wins are important. And so I guess tonight was sort of a good game from a viewership standpoint for me to see them, you know, battle it out with the Raptors and then eventually fall short. But look, I guess you could say <laughs> a loss is a good thing. I'm, so, I'm getting a bit tired. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I want to talk about is kind of your perception of the Raptors coming in and if watching this game, it kind of met what you expected. Yes, it did. My biggest concern coming into the game tonight was the Pistons are a team that do not move the ball. You go and look at any of the tracking data. I tweeted some stuff out last week. They're in the bottom three for passes per game, 
They're in the top three for seconds per possession, so they hold the ball. They don't really move it. Um, so the Raptors' length always scares me. Any team that has size and length scares me with the Pistons because they'll just get in there and they'll deny the ball. It's, it's really simple stuff, but they'll deny the ball. They'll get deflections. They'll block shots at the rim, and that gets them out in transition. And I thought the Raptors played with a nice pace tonight, and that's sort of what helped them in that third quarter get out to that quick lead. And um, so I guess the Raptors did live up to sort of what I expected. Um, I'm still a bit confused with where the Raptors are as, on a whole, um, <laughs> yeah. which I'm sure you guys discuss at length. Um, but, yeah, the game sort of played out how I thought it would. You know, Dwayne Casey, whenever we come up against the Raptors, you know he's going to have the guys ready to go and it's going to be a close game. So the game sort of did live up to, I guess, the expectations I had. And so the next thing I have to know about is your thoughts on Scotty Barnes because he obviously Cade. They were in the running for Rookie of the Year together last season and Cade with the horrible injury luck this season. But Scotty Barnes is somebody who I think Raptors fans paid close attention to Cade Cunningham for pernicious reasons to critique him perhaps heavily. And I think Pistons fans do the same thing with Scotty Barnes. And I'm curious what you thought of Scotty in this game. Yeah, I thought Scotty played a really nice game in that third scoring role um, behind Pascal and Fred, of course. He's just, uh, I mean, I still have a lot of stock in Scotty. I mean, yeah. I have not, I've never been one to go and bash draft picks. I mean, Jalen Green yeah. a little bit because he said some things, but man, I think Scotty, <laughs> I think Scotty, like, there's so much potential there. And you read an excellent piece, which is actually how I came across you on Twitter, an excellent piece oh. on Scotty in the offseason. And I love that because I think he's just the perfect blend of, he can be that awesome connector piece, but I feel like there's a lot more there to be untapped as someone who can create off the dribble. I'm not saying he's Kevin Durant. I don't think anyone's saying that. But I think, you know, tonight, I think he was five or six on the floor, got to the line, hit a dagger corner three. I, I mean, if he can really – and he's got all the tools to be an excellent defender. Um, so I'm, I'm high on Scotty, and I thought he played a great game tonight. 20 points on six shots – is pretty gnarly for a guy to accomplish. He was three of four from downtown, seven of 10 from the line. It's just that type of efficiency, as you said, in that third scoring role that not only is helpful throughout the game, but really shows up when you zoom out and see that they won in a pretty run and gun game by the end of it, 119 to 118. And Pascal with 28, four and six, Fred with 35, three and eight. The stars of the Raptors leading the way what did you think of what Detroit did to try and stop the Raptors and what, well, not the Raptors, those two, and how they overcame that? Well, I think the Pistons in the first quarter, the starters, the, def the defense was there's a lot of miscommunications. That's been a theme throughout the season. Um, I really felt like the Pistons got back in the game once Isaiah Livers checked in. He stepped up into a bigger role with Sadiq Bay. I'm pretty sure that trade just got is close <laughs> to being confirmed. And I hope it is because um, I'm not going to talk about Wiseman on this pod, but Isaiah Livers is his team defense. I'll have some clips posted in the morning. Um, but his communication, his just ability to stay in front of his man, he's, he's a crucial piece off the bench for this team. And I feel like himself, once he came in, the defense picked up. Um, they were hitting their threes to begin with, which always helps. And And then I guess... Uh, and I'm really happy they kept Bogdan 
Bogdanovich because you see, oh, Boyan Bogdanovich, I should know better, but <laughs> because his creation, man, like, and I'm not sure if you noticed tonight, his ability to yeah. finish at the rim for a partially balding 33-year-old with a dad bod. Like, I tell you what, man, there's not many guys at that age who finish like he does. So um, I feel like I think he finished with 30-plus. Um, mm-hmm. Isaiah Stewart finally got his three-point shot going. I think he was three for four. Raptors fans will love to know he was shooting 15% since January 1st <laughs> coming into the game. So, um, And then Jaden Ivey closed the game well, and his passing off drives has been a real um, bright spot of late. That's uh, Trevor Gleason, fellow Australian. Uh, that was when he was, I think, interviewed at first half. He said, uh, Isaiah's made his threes, so that's something. Uh, he kind of had like a little bit of a shot taken at it. Bogdanovich really intrigues me because you could see on some of his moves to create space for his jumper. You could see like there was a spin jumper on the right side of the floor where he banked it in. There was a step back where there's no wasted motion. That's how the dad bod balding 33-year-old guy gives you a 30-burger, right? It's no wasted motion. It's knowing that if he like he uses the screen and his body. He's not getting by on quickness. He's going to leverage his physicality, seal his man, come downhill, use his body once again, and then, you know, sometimes a wrong-footed finish off the glass, yeah. all this kind of stuff to keep you at bay. And he's strong like an ox. So I definitely noticed Bogdanovich. He was awesome in this game. And he, Jaden at the end, obviously, and Alec Burks, um, <laughs> man, they did a lot of work to keep the, the Pistons in this. Bogdanovich just throughout, giving them a lot of scoring. And and Burke's obviously really, really hot. Hamadou Diallo as well, right? 18 points, 7 boards. Yeah. Hammy is one of the most interesting players in the NBA because of his limitations. But the fact that he is at six foot five with his athletic gifts, an actually viable dunker spot player. Like, yeah. I know everybody was like, oh my God, Bruce Brown, when he was first popping off with the Nets. And Bruce did deserve that. And he's still very interesting now. But Hamadou Diallo has been playing a similar role, just with less talented players. He's he's very interesting in the way that he kind of shades um, his, his offensive players, and I just I love the way he moves. He also hit a couple jumpers tonight. One of which was uh, had a soundtrack of "Hell No" from the Raptors, and it went in. Um, yeah, but I guess to go back to the the one question is like Fred and Pascal, as far as how they succeeded, Fred early and throughout. Pascal late. I kind of want to talk about how the Raptors were spamming Chicago action and just getting Pascal into space and why you thought the Pistons had so much trouble with that. I think it honestly comes down to communication and stuff again. I, I hate to sound sort of boring with my responses, <laughs> but um, I mean, Pascal, like he's just, he, he struggled. I think he started two for nine. And then yeah. you just see in that second half, like he's got so much in his bag. Obviously the spin move, but the spin jumper. And I mean, Isaiah Stewart was playing good defense on him at times. And Pascal just used his length and his overall just coordination just to finish over and through um, Stewart. And yeah, man, I like, with the Pistons, it honestly, it always comes down to on defense, unfortunately, communication and personnel. Um, I know, like, they just don't have the wings right now. I mean, you mentioned Hamadou Diallo and your assessment was spot on offensively, but on defense, the thing that holds Hami back is he would just get lost or he's always looking to mm-hmm. go for steals or, you know, the thing, Hami's always going to create chaos. And I think Pascal just took 
advantage and um and then even Fred like there was multiple times where I hate to keep going too much back to the Pistons but yeah um you know Fred just got some wide open threes off miscommunications but he was also just dialed in he's shooting well in the mid-range um so yeah those two I mean they're all stars that you had they're the two best players on the floor and they played like it yeah that's that's why I thought it's kind of watching them and for the people who don't know at home uh, Chicago action is a dribble handoff with a screen in the middle typically run from the corner and so the Raptors kept going to that with Jakob Pertl as the guy with the handoff Fred as the screen in the middle for Siakam and then Siakam coming off both Fred and Pertl into space a lot of times this can be flipped into Jakob Pertl setting a screen on Fred's man into a flare or a pin down following the play it can transition into a pick and roll but what the Raptors usually ended up doing was it was a means to get a switch for Siakam and then Siakam flattening things out and finding a shot to hit. Or especially if Jakob filters down onto the block and it's, you know, Fred and Pascal above the break. If Fred's guy helps off of him, then Pascal has a, an easy outlet to, to Fred that like above the break wing on the left that he, he's been so good at. And the Raptors, I think they ran it six times in a row in the fourth quarter. And with that, the Pistons a couple times were like, okay, we're going to reject this. And then the ball got sent to the other side. And then when the Pistons started reacting that way and Jakob Pertl got fouled out, the Raptors brought in Thaddeus Young and they reorganized it. So they stopped including Pascal in that three-man action and started working the three-man action with Scotty, Yak, and Fred so that they could shift the ball to the other side for Pascal to get an empty side pick and roll or empty side look with Precious Achua. Uh, pretty fun, pretty simple basketball, but I think this goes back to what you're saying about we're talking about personnel mostly with the Pistons. And that's why this isn't necessarily like a home run wing or a home run win for the Raptors where you say like they're world beaters. You know, Jakob Pertl came in. Now they're going to go for it all. It's that the Raptors, they had the two best players on the court. You know, you could argue the three best. Uh, you know, you could go head to head with Scotty and Bogdanovich. Most people would say Bogdanovich. Raptors listeners will say Scotty probably, but the Raptors out talented them, and they also uh, allowed 118 points with Jakob in. The defense was much better. But I, I kind of want to get your point of view, Jack, about how the Pistons were succeeding in this game against the Raptors after having a very very slow start. Um, honestly, man, like I thought, Jaden Ivy didn't an exceptional job of just bending the defense and driving yep. and kicking. And um, I'm actually writing a little piece just featuring on Jaden, but his passes off drives are up by like 15% in the past fortnight. Mm. And Dwayne Casey spoke about it in the post game following the Spurs win on Friday Wait, night. Did you say, did you say Fortnite? Yeah. Wow. That is that is like not a North American. That is not around in North American terminology. That's like Shakespearean era. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So a fortnight is a month. Two weeks. <laughs> Two weeks. Hey, there you go. Okay. Actually, sorry. Sorry. Right. No, that yeah, is rather me. In Canada yeah. and America, no fortnight. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. So anyway, the past two weeks, he's, he's <laughs> passing off drives. He's up fifteen percent. Just trying to help everyone out at home. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah exactly. So. Like for the Pistons, their offense, and you would know very well as a Raptors fan, there's not going to be a lot of creativity in the offense. But when you have Jaden attacking downhill and passing, 
it just opens up the offense for Detroit. And because in the past he was um, looking to finish and he's finishing, he's been struggling. Like he's finishing around the rims, like been around 40% for a while now. And so to have him bend the defense, get the defense, just rotate and get some, because that's the thing with the Raptors. If you just let them sit still on their man, they will just disrupt. And that's what they did to Detroit throughout large portions of the game. But um, I don't know. I think Jalen uh, Duran, he went down with an ankle injury. So they he normally is good for 10 to 12 points on the offensive glass. Um, it, it was really just Boyan Bogdanovich um, getting open, creating off handoff actions um, and making some tough shots. I mean, that's the thing with Detroit's offense. It's never going to wow you. It's a lot of pick and roll. Um, a lot of pin downs in the corner, but and it's a it, it can honestly get a lot like be quite ISO heavy. So it relies on players like Burks, like Bogdanovich, um, creating off the bounce or hitting open threes or contested threes. Mm-hmm. And the outsider's perspective on Pirtle, they're not world beaters. We know that much, but Jakob Pirtle gets his first start with the Raptors this season, his fourth or fifth, I think, with the Raptors all time since he was drafted here. And six points, five rebounds, one assist, two steals. That one assist was pretty early on in the game, uh, not necessarily even a laydown because he wasn't in motion, but uh, Scotty on a back cut receives it, gets a dunk. Very nice to see. There's clearly some stuff happening there, and the Raptors were better, 11 points better with Jakob on the floor, most of that on the defensive end. Did you think that he made the Raptors? Like you felt his presence yeah. when you were watching it? Because as a, as a Raptors fan, or someone who covers the Raptors, I should say, not not that. I'm impartial, great media person anyway. Um, as, as someone who covers the Raptors, I can certainly tell when there is an intimidating presence in the middle of the floor. And I'm, I'm curious, on the litmus test of scary to not scary, where was Pirtle showing up for you? You definitely felt his presence. Like, I mean, I think he had three blocks, something like that. Um, I'm pretty sure he had three blocks. I hope I'm right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, he's defending the rim. Um, and like you mentioned in that Chicago action, I feel like he's such a vital piece or can be a really useful piece on offense. Um, that's something Detroit don't really have in Duran and Stewart as of yet. Like sort of that sort of I'm not gonna offensive hub might be a two might be a stretch, but just someone who can create out of DHO, he's going to make the right pass. Like you said, he found Scotty. Was that in the first quarter to open the game? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, for a nice drop off pass there. And then defensively, he's a veteran. You know he's going to make all the right reads. He's solid. I mean, he. Uh, I'm not sure what um, Jakob's rebounding numbers were, but I know the Pistons got killed on the glass tonight. So I feel like Jakob's a really good positional rebounder, even if he's not grabbing them. He's definitely someone who's going to box out. So while I'm not sure about the trade itself in terms of the Raptors as a whole, I think bringing him in is definitely going to help this team win games because I know from following Raptors, people like yourself, um, a big man has been the topic of conversation for a while now. So yeah, it definitely felt Jakob tonight. Yeah, Jakob, I think that the the rebounding, he's probably closer to a guy who you'll see the on-offs represent that he helps the rebounding a lot where his rebounding numbers don't ever really balloon. But you could see it tonight with like Precious playing 33 minutes and getting 11 rebounds. Chris Boucher coming off the bench, right? Getting five. That is Young getting five. 
be, being paired with Pirtle on the floor, he's going to box out a lot. He's going to clear a lot of space. And and to your point about not necessarily being an offensive hub, that seems like too big a word, but he's one of one of the most important things a modern big can do is dribble above the break to move the offense along without worry of getting picked off yeah. or kind of trapped without getting their their dribble interrupted so you can seamlessly transition between sets and Pirtle is a guy who if you do pressure that he can have a pickup and feed to a back cut he can turn it downhill with a live dribble and then create like a dribble handoff lower in the half court it's that's that's where you want Duran and obviously yeah. Stewart to end up. That's something that bigs develop over time is the yeah, comfortability I, to, to move. Sorry to jump direction. in here, but you, you couldn't be more correct because honestly, when I watched Stewart and Duran go into a DHO, man, even just watching him take one dribble, it's like that the chances of that getting picked off at the moment are high. So yeah. if you can have a big that can take a couple of dribbles and you can feel safe with the ball in their hands, like that's what Jakob brings and it sounds like nothing, but it's also a lot. Okay, so one guy, before we get out of here, one of my favorite players to watch. He's a Marvel. Uh, had some bag in this game. Like, reached deep into it. Precious Achua. 11-11 and 11 isn't a massive stat line, but he had some pop in this one. I'm, I'm curious what you thought of the Precious experience. Man, he, had, he got bogey a couple of times there in the fourth quarter, and he had a nice, I don't know if you call it like a starter rip through, but yeah, it's oh, rip, yeah. Bro, Bogey was just standing there like he didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> but no, I, I love Precious. And I was actually probably, as someone who honestly I haven't watched a whole lot of Raptors, I know Precious has got an increased role of late. Mm-hmm. What sort of your opinion on him? I'd be more interested. Okay, so I'm a massive Precious believer. I think he has an all-star, like... I think he'll be an all-star at some point in his career because his his defense, I believe he is, um, when he's on, he's all defense level type of defender. Offensively, you're kind of waiting for everything to coalesce. But as you saw at his size, like pulling out a stutter rip on bogey is really, really nice. And the fact that he's quick enough from the baseline to get to the front of the rim, that just doesn't happen. You There's yeah. so little time to turn the corner to get to the front of the rim. You have to beat a guy by so much to get there, and he did. Really athletic. He, he's done this against all types of different players too, guards, wings, Joel Embiid in the playoffs, right? He's very impressive in that regard. Last season, he had a super hot shooting streak. Some people believe in that. Some people don't. I think, what was he, 0 for 2 from 3 in this game? He had a couple last game. This That stuff is all kind of up in the air. But his fluidity on ball, he's a really, like, you You have one of the best athletes in the NBA on the roster in Hamadou Diallo. The, the like, balance, coordination, yeah. power, explosiveness. Precious Achua, similarly, is one of the best athletes in the NBA, too. So anytime he's able to kind of weaponize his mobility, I'm left extremely intrigued. And the handle was there for him to do that in this game. And he also, he's, like he's a load. He's very hard to deal with. And those 11 rebounds, I think, make a lot of sense for this game that yeah. he had four on the offensive end. He had seven on the defensive end. He's just, he intrigues me to no end. He he yeah. moves like a guard, but he's as strong as a big. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't mean to demean <laughs> his place. No, no, absolutely Bogdanovich. Not. Like I, I couldn't agree more in terms of that fluidity because mm-hmm. as an athlete, and I think 
um, Precious is like six nine, so um, he's only mm-hmm. six five. But you look at Jaden Ivy; he's an explosive athlete, but he's a bit rigid in his approach. Whereas with Diallo and players like Achua, yeah, there's a fluidity in the way they sort of they like glide around the court. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I can see why you would be so excited. Like he's a player I'd love to have on the Pistons. Yeah, there's like uh, it would be like an RC car. It's like it's very it's rapid and it goes straight, but there's like an elastic band that's like has this thing to it. Uh, for the for the podcast listeners, I was kind of wriggling my head. So imagine I'm I'm describing wiggle for you, but precious. I thought this was a super fun game for him, and I also I have to just for the Raptors fans listening at home, uh, Thaddeus or sorry Chris Boucher, another pretty fun game. There's an award, Jack, that I give out every single podcast. It's called the Reggie Evans Award. You've been a fan for 10 years so you may have caught reggie evans like last i know who reggie season. evans is one of the best you- rebounders played for the nets i know who he is okay he's so like six the- seven wasn't he he's a small yeah. but he's an awesome rebounder yeah like he when he played for the raptors he started a few games he was averaging like four points and 14 rebounds a game as a starter <laughs> just like and and doing all the dirty work he possibly could do. So we have a, an award around here. Every game, the Reggie Evans Award. Okay? It goes to the person who most embodies the Reggie Evans ethos. It's not necessarily who grabs the most rebounds. It's just like, who was the grinder? On the Raptors, who was the grinder in your mind? Oh, man. I, I wanted to bring up Malachi Flynn, but I'm not going to give him the award. Ah. Oh. Man, I sort of just, I really enjoyed, I thought Scotty, like, I, I really, I know he's the headline player almost, but yeah, yeah I thought Scotty just, he wasn't the, you know, he wasn't scoring 30 points, but he just, he sort of did all the little things, um, really efficient game, um, did a little bit of everything. So I'm going to give it to Scotty, Scotty Barnes. Scotty, I think, is a, is a good one. It, it can be headliners. Headliners can, can yeah. be gritty, you know, grindy players as well. I think that's that's definitely okay. So, yeah, Reggie Evans Award given out by Jack Kelly to Scotty Barnes. Congrats, Scotty. And what I do here is I read the top quick reaction comment. There's a feature on the website called the quick reaction where every player gets graded. And a lot of people comment afterwards. And they're very interested in all the grades, etc. I react to the top voted comment. This one says from Christ, comma, man, quote, Scotty, 20 points, six field goal attempts, Fred, dot, dot, dot. So, uh, end quote, by the way, I'm going to take this to mean that this is another, this is uh, the take that Fred is selfish. It's a very popular (laughs) theorem in uh, Raptors fandom. I'm going to kind of reject this notion, though, at least for this game. I I don't understand the nitpicking when Scotty you want to see a guy take more than six shots, but in a game like this and the way that the Pistons were defending, Scotty was obviously super effective as an ancillary or tertiary scorer, tertiary player. I think that he fit in extremely well in this game. And Fred, because of the way that the Pistons were defending with younger big men who are much better typically at help side rotations than they are at covering in the pick and roll. That means that Scotty's form of creation is a lot less valuable than Fred's, for example. And so Fred, yes, he took 26 shots, but 35 points on 26 shots is still good. Yeah. And And he was an outsider. Sorry. um, 
a lot of the times the Pistons have been switching in the pick and roll a lot this season, but I felt like there was a few times they were playing drop and mm-hmm. Fred just punished them on that. So you're going to take that shot every time. Um, and uh, I've just lost my thought. But I, yeah, I, I can, I think Scotty fit, blended in really nicely. Um, we have similar things over at the Pistons with shot attempts and all that kind of thing. Killian Hayes is normally the subject of not getting enough shots or too many shots. But I, I, as a Pistons fan watching that game, I didn't feel like Fred like took too many shots. He, I mean, he scored 16 points in the first quarter. So if I'm, I know as someone who plays basketball, if I score 16, 20 points in a quarter, I'm going to keep getting shots up because I'm feeling hot. As long as they're in rhythm, like I, I didn't see it as uh, Fred, you know, shooting or not finding Scotty, et cetera. Yeah. For whatever I, I my would... opinion's worth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's worth something to me. So I hope it's worth something to the listener or the viewer. I, I would say that I think you could pick on Fred's defense in this game. I think he was pretty bad at the point of attack. Although the offense struggled early for the Raptors outside of Fred. Shots weren't going down. Pascal was struggling. Scotty wasn't creating. Where where does the creation come from? Fred. He shouldered a lot of it throughout. I don't understand with the Raptors being a top 10 offense over the pet fortnight or past month or whatever. Um, it's Fortnite is two weeks, but I, they've been top 10 over the past month. They might even be top 10 on the season still. But that's come with Fred's resurgence. And the Raptors offense isn't the problem. I don't understand why people, even in the game where Fred gives you 35 and the Raptors score 119, we're looking at raw shot attempts to be like, what's going wrong here? The Raptors need to defend, man. Like, that's that's what has to happen. And so Fred's defense, I could say, is a worthy critique. But that's not what the comment was saying. We're counting uh, shot attempts at this point in time. So um, I know that it's very popular to kind of critique Fred. And just, he's been the whipping boy this year, Jack. If you weren't aware, Fred's been getting a lot of it. I, I think it doesn't make sense to critique his offense in this game. 35 on 26 is not... Like that's that's pretty damn good. You take that in it, and the offense for the team ran quite well. The the defense though, uh, I, I guess I'll get one last thing from you. Jaden Ivey, you said was getting to the middle of the floor, was turning the Raptors' defense. That was Fred's check a lot of the time. I'm curious what you thought of that matchup. I suppose. Well, I think Fred definitely got him on the other end as well of the floor. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, one of. And, you know, Fred Van Vliet's calling cards has been his defense, I believe. Am I wrong yep. with that assessment? So earlier, it's there's been a there's been backlash this year. This is this is the first season of his his career that the Raptors have had better numbers with him off the floor, and there's been some point of attack trouble for him for sure. Yeah, and he he really struggled the first couple of months of the season. Am I, so look, I thought Jaden, yeah, he got by him, but Jaden has one of the best top five first steps in the league, I would say. And that, yeah. I'd say that's quite unbiased a, a viewpoint. So yes, Jaden got by him. Yes, Fred probably struggled a little bit, but I don't know. How old's Fred now? He came in as an undrafted rookie. Is he nearly 30? He's, he's 28. Yep. 28. So he's still in his prime, I guess. But yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't have a whole lot on that, unfortunately. But I just all I would say is Jaden does have one of the best first steps, and yeah, yeah, it's it's something. It's a bit of a through line this season, kind of paying attention to Fred's defense when it might pick back up again. But it's also it's extremely it's a Herculean effort or Aaron 
to try and guard at the point of attack in the NBA. It's really tough to stop yeah. these guys. Um, Jack, before we get out of here, is there anything, any parting wisdom you'd like to tell us about the Pistons or maybe some thoughts on the Raptors before we get on out? I guess in terms of thoughts, I probably more had a question and it's a bit of a deep cut, but who is the preferred backup point guard on this team? Oh, Banton yeah, or Malachi Flynn? Because I like Malachi so, Flynn tonight. And I, I know, I think he only had five points, but I just thought he was, you know, pesky, made a couple of nice shots. Yeah, he is a bit undersized though. So that's, yeah, I was interested in your thoughts. Yeah, so in, in your mind, somebody says like Malachi Flynn's performance. I'm sure what pops up is the reverse finish with the yeah. left hand after like the pump and go got into the lane. Obviously the pull-up triple in transition and probably the long rebound in the half court. Is that what is in your mind? Yeah. 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 So Malachi has gotten a decent amount more, and you would probably remember Delano from the earlier on in the season, November, he gave Detroit 27 in a Raptors win. So you've seen both. Delano has had more time with the 905, less minutes than Flynn. And Flynn is a better shooter. You know, it's Flynn has had a really tough time making it work with the Raptors. Who knows what happens with Pirtle and if there will be transitional lineups that let Flynn run more pick and roll or whatever. But I think the consensus has been that with his opportunities, Flynn hasn't done a good enough job of making himself into a serviceable backup guard. So the answer to who is the Raptors' backup guard is a great question. You know why? Because there isn't really an answer. <laughs> They've been searching all season. Some of it is staggering Scotty and Pascal, so they're the ball handler when Fred hits the floor. There's also the fact that there's only 12 or maybe even like 11 backup guard minutes available because Fred plays so often, right? And so the answer is neither, and neither has been compelling enough to change that equation, I suppose. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. I I was just interested because I saw – um, Banton, he started. He debuted last season, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I remember him last season, um, and I was just interested to see because I don't remember seeing Flynn as much. But um, like you said, Malachi just had a few key plays tonight that I think, yeah. as someone who, when I watch a game, I'm primarily focused on the Pistons. Those plays stick out more to yep. me, and I probably miss a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, he he was very good down the stretch because yes, he grabbed that extra rebound was important. But it's like, how, what is the leverage of the shot you're making? And the fact that the Raptors were currently, were, they give up a 7-0 run. It's like, what, 94 to 89 maybe. Flynn is out there. Neither Fred or Pascal are out there. you know. And Flynn gets the ball in transition, puts up a three, and it goes in. That's a huge swing for the Raptors without their best guys on the floor and with the piston surging. So those ones, not just for you, I'm sure for Raptors fans, those those really stick out as well. So. Yeah, I'm glad we talked about Flynn at least a little bit at the end because he, he had a nice little game. Can I ask you one more question? And yeah. it can just be a yes, no. In the offseason, uh, this Jakob trade makes things so muddled for me. I was just going to say, do you think Pascal and Scotty are together next season on the roster? Yes. Okay. And uh, yeah. Are you happy I, with that? that? that mm-hmm. I, I do like them together. I know I, so we did the live show um, a few days ago and I had somebody come up to me and ask me, 
And, and you know, they, they knew their basketball. They were, they were insightful and everything, but they said like, you know, there's just, I can't everybody see it. There's no way you win a championship with Pascal and Scotty as your best two players. And I think it's easy to say who won't win a championship. You know, like it's it's easy to look at Pascal and Scotty and say that can't be the best two when you win a championship. And that's absolutely correct. But because I, I don't think they could be your best two. It's just there's there's not enough there. Even if Pascal gets continues to improve, which would be crazy until he's like 32 and Scotty improves, I think they'll end up being super good together. But championship winning there's like a couple guys, yeah. maybe a few every decade that drive championship winning teams. And so it's it's less about building around Scotty and Barnes and saying like, these two will take us to a championship. It's about building good teams and being able to like pivot when necessary and yeah. being able to move guys when necessary. Like if the Raptors blew up their team earlier because they were like, well, DeRozan and Lowry can't win you a championship sell everybody immediately just like and tank or something like that, then they wouldn't have been in a position to trade for Kawhi Leonard. And they wouldn't have had like this incredibly deep team around, you know, Kawhi and Kyle and Pascal and, you know, their bench now, basically everybody who was on that bench is going to end up getting paid like over $20 million a year because it's just like an incredibly deep team. You have to, you have to win games. You have to put guys in like winning uh, environments and you have to you have to make sure the team is good and so that they they actually know what that's like and so Scotty I think it'll be really helpful for him not only to to play with Siakam because they can win games together but because Siakam has a lot to teach Scotty not that Scotty is going to grow like Siakam he has different strengths but if he can pick up some of the stuff that Siakam does considering that he has unique um, I guess physical abilities that Pascal doesn't have it, it's great so. I think they should be together for the foreseeable future. I like yeah. that for the Raptors. There's a long answer, but yeah. No, no, that's good. That's great insight for someone like myself because I do agree there is something to be said for maintaining a level of um, just competitiveness slash success, not bottoming out. Like Detroit had to bottom out with the way they had been going. But, you know, like you said, you cited the Raptors, probably they definitely don't get that opportunity to trade for Kawhi if they blow up the Lowry, um, DeRozan backcourt. And although it didn't work out in Portland with Dame and CJ, a lot of people wanted them to blow it up. And obviously they eventually made the trade and just didn't work out. But there's something to be said for having a 46-plus win season year in, year out. Like I would kill for that as a Pistons fan. And I know, but if you once you build that, if you do that four or five years, as you said, you can pivot and lure in that unhappy star or whoever's looking to move. I still remember, I think it's like 2015 or 2014, probably 2015, when the Raptors, I remember all the the comment sections, discussion boards were obsessed with this Contavious Caldwell Pope <laughs> plus a first rounder for DeMar DeRozan trade. And I just think what a because because Terrence Ross was also good on the wing. He yeah. was burgeoning. And he made, you know, DeRozan look like, well, DeRozan doesn't shoot threes. And Terrence Ross shoots threes. Where's the league heading? And our, what a disaster that would have been. <laughs> like, it's the the urge to, I think it's very fun to imagine scenarios where you tank and where things go bad. But 
you have to sit with the team while they try and improve. Mm-hmm. And the Raptors currently have, like, as much as people dislike Fred's performances this year, as much as it seems like Pascal is trying to carry a team night in and night out to a, you know, an underwhelming record, uh, the, they made a decision to see if this team could win games. A win against Detroit doesn't validate anything, but, and I don't mean any, you know, I'm sure you'll share this and there'll be, there'll be, there'll be a few Pistons fans who listen to my apologies. I, I, uh, I think Kate is fantastic and I can't wait to see what this team becomes, especially with Kate and Ivy, but uh, the Raptors have to prove this against a lot of other teams and we'll see. But I I do like having competitive teams, especially as someone I got to go to the arena and talk to these guys and cover them. Half the games I've been to this season, practices, whatever, the vibe is like yeah. considerably lower because the yeah. team is not good. And there's a bunch of stuff that comes around because of that. But anyway, Jack, uh, feel free to plug yourself on your way out. And before you do, can I just give a hearty co-sign to any Raptors fan listening, anybody listening who likes basketball, if you're looking for Piston stuff, please consider Jack as the person who will provide it to you. Hey, thank you so much, man. That means a lot. Um, yeah, you can find me over at um, Jack underscore Kelly underscore 313 on Twitter. And pretty much all my writing at the moment is with Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. So if you're a Pistons fan or you're an Australian Raptors fan that wants to support an Aussie doing some NBA content, um, yeah, go check out all my stuff. And always feel free to hit up my DMs to talk hoops. I'm always open to chatting. A man of the people. Jack, thank you so much for coming on. Listener, thank you for listening in. If you got onto this on YouTube, like the video, subscribe. Most importantly, go to raptorsrepublic.com and subscribe there. That's how you get all of my written work, all of Lewis Sassman's written work. We think it's worth money. If you don't, that's okay too. And uh, if you're listening on the podcast channel, thanks for letting us chop it up with you. Jack, thank you. Listener, thank you. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.